We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton, for the stay. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. So if you're a dad or plan on being a dad at some point in your life, you probably got some principles, some rules, some advice that you want to pass on to your children so they, be, so they can grow up to be well-adjusted, useful adults. My guest today has done that, like most dads have, but he actually put him in a book and published it. His name is Walker Lamont. I had him on the podcast back in 2009 to discuss his popular book, Rules for My Unborn Son, where he lays out style advice, relationship advice, just rules on etiquette that he hopes his son uh, will follow. His son's now eight years old, and we're going to talk about uh, how those rules are going, how the implementation of those rules have gone so far in Walker's life and his son's life. But Walker's also got a new book out called Rules for My Newborn Daughter, where he talks about the rules that he wants his daughter to follow. Um, And so today on the podcast, we're going to discuss some of these rules. We're going to discuss fatherhood. What's it like fathering a daughter? How is it different from from fathering um, a son? We're going to discuss relationships advice from from fathers to daughters, discuss uh, champagne at baseball cards. This is baseball parks. This is something new I've heard about. Um, and I, apparently, I, I think this is an apostasy uh, to baseball. Do not do this. We're going to discuss why you shouldn't drink champagne at baseball parks. Getting a lot more fun stuff. So without further ado, Walker Lamont and Rules for My Newborn Daughter. And after the show, make sure to check out the show notes at aom.is slash Lamont uh, for links to resources we mentioned through the podcast. Walker Lamond, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Brett. So yeah, I appreciate having me. It's great. Yeah, you were actually one of my very first podcast guests back in two thousand nine. I feel like we're like the the OG. You yeah, know? we. we <laughs> I was just I'm, I'm a little embarrassed how long it's been since that first book came out, but. Um, no, that was great. That was that was the early days. We were pioneers, right? We were, <laughs> and this whole man thing, right? The, yeah. yeah. So yeah, we had you on the podcast back in 2009 uh, to talk about your book, uh, Rules for My Unborn Son. Um, and that was a book, it started out as, as an online project, as a, a blog, where you kind of wrote these rules for your yet-to-be-born son. Um, and you had your son. His name's Arthur, right? Correct. Correct, yeah. And Arthur's eight now. Just crazy. Um, so, how has your family changed since then, and um, how has fathering changed as your kids have gotten older and you've added more to the family? Uh, that's a good question. You know, um, part one of the reasons that I wrote the book to begin with is because I knew that as soon as the kids started coming, it was going to be really hard to stick to all those good intentions. You know, so <laughs> part of the plan was let's get this stuff down now because I know that it's going to get crazy, and of course, it did. You know, so uh, Arthur came along. Um, we, you know, a couple years later, we ended up having our daughter. Um, we, our family moved overseas. We've been overseas for a while. We now have a third child. Our family's growing. It's crazier by the day. Uh, it's awesome. As predicted, things uh, have gotten crazy. You know, you get the mayhem of infants and toddlers, and uh, it gets a little harder to, to keep your cool and stick to all those parenting rules, but, uh, like, you know, I've had to revise my policy on shorts. Oh yeah, that was right. One of the rules was no shorts. Yeah. That's also maybe, maybe (laughs) a factor of living in the desert now, but you know, once you've let your kid go to school, uh, in a Batman costume, you pretty much have to learn how to be a little more flexible (laughs) with them, with yourself. Um, you know, I think like before I had my first son, I was imagining, you know, my kid like wearing a tie and reading a newspaper in kindergarten. And now I'm just psyched if he has on both of his shoes when we leave the house. So, uh, but you know, I still have the book. The book is there on the shelf. 
it's like this written proof of my good intentions. It's it's like the Constitution. You know, it's like you pull it down every once in a while when you're completely lost. <laughs> Wait, I had a good idea in here at one point. So yeah, you've had um, so you've had to revise some things as as the uh, the rubber met the road with your the rules. Yeah, I remember the no, no shorts thing we talked about. That that was one of the more <laughs> controversial ones. If you were just like yeah, up in arms. Be- <laughs> once you become a dad, you know you, you you don't have as much free time to go peacocking around in your three piece suit. Right. Um, but uh, but I've tried to stick to my uniform. You know, you try to stick to it as best you can, and then you, but you, you let yourself off the hook uh, when 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 you fall off. But uh, I, you know, at the time, I really only thought I was going to have to write that one book. Um, right, and that would be, uh, it, it, you know, because it really was just it was just like a lark. You know, it was a fun little project. It was almost like a journaling project that I had started online. But um, and then it picked up steam. Yeah, it picked up steam. Turned into something bigger. Yeah, I remember one of the other controversial rules was no wheelie luggage. <laughs> no From, wheelie luggage. You know what? I stuck to it. You stuck to it. Or you stuck to that one. And, I, I got three kids and still no wheelie luggage. And let me tell you, it's brutal. <laughs> it's brutal, especially living overseas when we're hauling around eight army-sized duffel bags. But I'm sticking to it. I like how you, you, you've got ideals. You're sticking to it. Yeah. So, um, so rules for my own board son uh, were rules for your son. So they're kind of geared towards boys, men. Uh, rules for my own board daughter was is about uh, advice from a father to a daughter. But before we get into like specific rules, I'd like to know, you know, what. What's your overarching goal with your daughter, right? I mean, I think a lot of guys, they think about, you know, being a dad to a son. Like, I want to play catch with them. I want to teach them right. this cool stuff. I want to help them be, like, learn all these skills and be, you know, useful and blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't think they spend too much time thinking about, like, what do I, what does it mean to be, like, a father to a daughter? So I'm curious, uh, as you came up with these rules for your daughter, advice for your daughter, you know, what? kind of woman do you want her to grow up to be? Well, you know, it is tricky for a lot of guys to think about this idea of, you know, a a father raising a girl because, you know, there's initially that fear of what do I know about being a girl? You know, what right do I have to tell her to do things? Um, uh, But, you know, in in an ideal world, and when when you think about it in theory, I want my daughter to be a good person. I want her to be independent and intelligent and courteous, uh, brave and adventurous and all those great things, well-read and well-dressed, just the same things I wanted out of my son. Um, I mean, at the heart of it, you, you want your kid to be happy. Uh, I, I think being happy is rooted in um, being confident. You know, I want my kids to be confident. I, and I don't think that means... I don't think that's achieved necessarily by telling them they're great all the time. It doesn't mean you say, hey, you're smart, you're fast, you're pretty. You know, I think it's about giving them specific skills you know, or putting them in a position to learn these skills themselves that fosters a self-confidence. Um, you know, I, the, the gag of the book has always been this list of do's and don'ts, these rules. But that, you know, that's always really just been a hook. I mean, this is it's just a guide to a particular approach to life. And you talk about this a lot on your blog, which is uh, a rich life about embracing challenges and, and uh, acquiring skills and, you know, rejecting that path of least resistance, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, that could mean, you know, it could mean learning to change a tire. It could mean setting a dinner table. I mean, cause you know, in that, this day and age, I mean, th- those things are, those things are hard. They're easily outsourced. You know, but I want my daughter, just like I want my son, to learn them, not because she necessarily needs to, but because it will make her happier. I think it'll make her more confident and more interesting. Um, I was reading something on your blog the other day. Am I allowed to still call it a blog? I feel like it's bigger than that. I, yeah, I, I still call it a blog. I still call it like, <laughs> what do I do? A I'm a blogger. All right, that's what I okay, do. Okay, I mean, it, it's, it's shorthand. Um, you know, you talk about how we live in this land of plenty and, and kind of in recent years, this idea that we've kind of devalued the, the, the goal of growing up um, or just in this land of plenty, it feels like uh, men and women both have this temptation that, to not do as much. Um, but I want my daughter to do more. You know, I want her to travel and, cook and eat and read and vote and build stuff. And, you know, 
it, it's not necessarily out of a need for survival anymore, but it is about this need to have a rich life. So, I mean, my goals for my daughter are the same as for my son. Um, you know, resist the path of least resistance. I, I'm curious, uh, has your approach to fathering changed uh, because you have a daughter? So I've, I've talked to a lot of guys that said that it did. Like they, the way they approach fatherhood changed when they, when they had a daughter compared to when they had a son. Or for you, is it pretty much the same? Um, you know, before you have kids and when you think about having a son, you know, most guys, uh, they kind of envision their son as going to be like this new and improved version of themselves. Right. right. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to teach you everything I know and I'm going to correct all my own mistakes. Right. You know? I, like the um, thing I, I remember was like, yeah, my kids are going to just play with wooden blocks. They're not, they're not going to watch TV. <laughs> they're going to use their imaginations. Yeah. <laughs> then, yeah. Every hobby that I always meant to pick up, like I'm going to like teach them immediately. And, and that's cool. That's, that's what being a dad's all about. And then you have your kid and you realize that they're totally their own person. And I mean, there's, they can be so different from you. They're like strangers sometimes. I mean, you know, my son is my flesh and blood and, but he could be a guy I just ran into in a bar. We're so different sometimes. So, you know, the, it's not, it, it, and it's not just now about like making him a version of yourself. When you have a daughter, it, it only amplifies that feeling. Um, she has these unique challenges that, um, that we can't even begin to understand. Um, you know, so I think having that daughter, it, it does teach you to take it a little easier on yourself, uh, and your expectations about kind of, you know, being a parent, what you're going to teach these people. Um, I mean, cause you know, when you're parenting, it's, it's a lot of, it's about projecting your, your own need for self-improvement on them. Um, but, uh, but, but having a daughter, it's, it's wonderful. You know, I mean, it's, it's a, it, having a daughter is like the best way to turn any man into a feminist, you know? Um, and, but, you know, will, does my approach to parenting change a little bit? Um, it's a good question because, you know, I, I, I really stick to this idea that I've always thought all the advice I put, even in the first book, you know, is all pretty gender, gender neutral, you know? I mean, you know, yes, the first book was a, a conversation between a father and a son, and there's a lot of, you know, guy imagery, and there's a lot of, um, you know, some. It, it was pretty male centric, or at least if not in tone, whatever. But, but I always kind of thought, like, you know, girls, this this is for girls too. Um, but then my wife kind of pointed out, she's like, yeah, but then there's this stuff about neckties and baseball, and you know, maybe maybe girls need their own book. And I started thinking about that. I was like you know, is that a good thing that girls need their own book, that they should have their own rules? Or should I, you know, dismiss that as, as, you know, perpetrating some gender divide that doesn't exist? I mean, these are all questions you can kind of debate forever. But in, in reality, girls and boys are different. You, you realize that as soon as they're born. They're wonderfully different. They're hilariously different. But not just because they're boys and girls, because they're different people. You know, I mean, my, my daughter is just very different from my son. Um, so, you know, are the, the things I'm teaching my daughter any different than the ones I'm teaching my son? No. I mean, when we go outside and practice putting up the tent in the backyard, she's there too, hammering in stakes. You know, if we're planting veggies in the garden, they're both there. These aren't girl and boy skills. Um, learning to sail or play the piano, you know, and my daughter's super competitive, so she wants to be right there with my right. son. Um, I don't think any of these skills are necessary. I don't think any of these things are gender specific. I, I I'm strongly feel that um, setting a table or writing thank you notes or wrenching a car, you know, every boy and girl should know how to do this. But I mean, that is not to say that they are the same, that boys and girls are the same or will or ever that they'll have the same skill set. I mean, they're going to have different skills because they have different interests. You know, my son's going to be into camping. My daughter's into sports. Um, so you do have to adapt a little bit for each kid, not because they're a boy and a girl, but because they're different people. Right. Does that make any sense? That, that, makes, that makes perfect sense. No, that makes perfect sense. It's the same with, you know, with my kids. Uh, my daughter, like she likes to do the stuff that, you know, me and Gus do. She's right there with us. Rough yeah. and tumble, roughing, rough housing, out, going outside, 
doing, you know, monkeying around in the my garage gym. She's and right that there. could change. Yeah, you know, it, that it could, could change. change. I mean, these kids are going to hit puberty and they're going to have all kinds of different things going on their mind and bodies and and their interests might change. And I might have to adapt what skill sets I'm teaching them, you know, right. and outsource some of that stuff to their mom or whatever. But, um, but it, you know, well, I'll let you, I'll let you keep going because it, it is a tricky issue and, and I'll, we'll get to it, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, and then like, speaking of, so a lot of the advice, like you said, and the rules for my, my own board, I was reading is like, oh, this is a nice reminder for me, right? Yeah. I should write thank you notes or I, uh, shouldn't apologize for other people all the time, right? And that's just like good common, like how to live a good life. But there is advice in there that's geared towards girls um, or women in general. So I'm curious as a dude, as a guy, how did you approach some of the, the more gendered advice that, you know, may be applicable just to girls? I mean, did you have to like get your wife in on to help you? And like, you know, what, 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 what do I tell my daughter? What are we going to tell our daughter about these sorts of things? Yes, of course. And my wife has been a great resource. And, but, you know, and look, I was raised by women. I mean, I, my life, I've been surrounded by all these wonderful, creative, smart, intelligent women. And, you know, so I do feel like I have this body of institutional knowledge that I kind of am allowed to pass down to my daughter. But so it, it goes back to this like kind of main problem I had. One of the reasons I didn't do this book immediately is because I did have this nagging question of whether or not as a man I had a right, was it even appropriate for me to be doling out advice to a woman? Um, to mansplaining. A woman. You don't want to mansplain. Y- yeah, right? right? And that's like this become this buzzword. And, and, and I hesitated a long time about doing it. And then, um, you know, if I want my daughter to be this strong, independent, brave woman who's like unafraid to challenge power structures and gender stereotypes – and then the first thing I do is hand her this book of rules written by a white 40-year-old man. I mean, it doesn't sound like the best way to start out this journey, right? Um, but, you know, I do think that daughters want to hear from their dads. We have institutional knowledge as an older person. Um, and they don't just want necessarily a, a, our approval or a nice well done or whatever. They want ideas. They want advice like any kid does. I mean, boys and girls are so thirsty for this institutional knowledge. Um, so I think as dads, we can, we can confidently say that we do have a right and we have a duty to tell our daughters what we expect of them. Um, I don't think we should be ashamed to do that or, or nervous to do that. Um, I think we're allowed to share with them what we know about life and how to make the best of it. Um, you know, that said, <laughs> I had a system of checks and balances, my wife being the best one of all. You know, my wife is a trained airspace engineer. She's a foreign service officer. She's works harder than anyone I know. She's graceful. She's funny. She's like the archetype, you know, she's the role model. And um, if I could have <laughs> if I could have gotten her to write this book, I would have, but she's too busy earning a, a living for the family. So, but she had the veto power, you know, she was my checks and balances. Um, the, the, the reality is, is, and you know this, Brett, and, and I know that, cause I know that you deal with a lot of these issues on your blog all the time. Um, this, you know, the, the gender identities and, and traditional power structures and stuff. But I, I really believe that if you've lived a life in which you've respected women and you've kept their company and you've admired their talents then even as a man, you are qualified to pass on some of that institutional knowledge, even down to a girl. Right. Um, there's plenty of stuff I've learned from my mom and my grandmother and my sister and my own role models, many of which are women, that I want to pay forward. Um, you know, yes, it will come through the filter of a man, you know, and whatever kind of historical baggage I carry with me, maybe not without even knowing it. But it's also just coming through the lens of being an old older person or being an American or whatever. Um, you can't kind of avoid that lens, but you know, I look, I'm, I'm not trying to maintain the male power structure or male privilege. I'm not, uh, by giving my daughter a book of rules. I mean, I, I have no interest as a father in making things harder for my own daughter to put her at a disadvantage. I want to break down the walls for her or, you know, or better yet, just get out of the way and let her do it for herself, you know, give her the skills so she can do it. Um, so, yeah, mansplaining, perhaps, but I think dad's just, I think, yeah, dad's I, I think dad's <laughs> I think it's just just a dad giving advice to your your daughter. Yeah, 
I think that's that's what it is, and I think uh, it comes from the best of intentions, and and uh, you're trying to do what's best for. Um, but I mean, another kind of some people would say problematic, you know, quotation marks um, aspect of rules for my unborn son and rules for my unborn daughter. And I even get this with the art of manners. It's got like the whole vintage retro vibe to it. And yeah. kind of hearkening back to this, you know, traditional stereotypes of masculinity. And like, you know, you do that with your book and it's, I love with both of them books, and I, but I love it. I mean, it looks great. You have these great vintage photos of, you know, starlets and like, you know, famous women, you know, Margaret Thatcher and uh, Eleanor Roosevelt and uh, I guess Graham who owned the newspaper, the Washington Post. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like it's it's got this old fashioned feel to it, but it's not stodgy. So you've been able to somehow combine, you know, some traditional gender advice for gals on you know being a classy lady, a dame, being a classy, a classy broad, a yeah. classy broad, but with <laughs> advice on being independent and assertive and brave. Um, that bucks antiquated gender stereotypes, and I, yeah. I'm sure this has to like oh, man. drive people get- bonkers because like they either want it like okay no you got to either do it you know the traditional thing all the way or you have yeah. to like go like this way. So it's gonna. I mean, look, I I know you've dealt with this because uh, uh, like you said, the whole vintage aesthetic of your site of my book, you know, it was very all current at the time, seven years ago or right. whatever. Um, you know, but people just kind of assume that that we're just going to be blindly nostalgic about the past. And, exactly. And um, you know, with my first book, um, there was of course that knee jerk reaction from boy from boys and girls, men and women. You know, so some of the bros out there just assumed that this was you know a book just praising everything about what was old fashioned, and you know, oh, that means we can the good old days when we can assert our male privilege and all that stuff. Um, and there were plenty of women that looked at my blog or looked at my book, saw maybe the title, saw one rule and just bristled at the idea that there were going to be any rules or skills that only pertain to boys. You know, it felt really exclusive. And, you know, I think with the last book and with this one, I think if you just read it, you hopefully just see that, you know, most of all, you know, these rules can, most of them can be applied to boys and girls or gay or straight or whatever, but mostly, you know, look, it's harmless fun mostly, but I, and I, I know that there's, you know, the outrage police will probably jump on this one just like they did the last one. You know, this is a man telling a woman what to do. Um, But if you really, if you really read it, it's pretty harmless. It's hopefully it's a little funny. It's, I, I think it's practical at times, but you know, it's important to Remember not to get carried away. I mean, this is a very little book. It's just a trifle, really. It's not a manifesto. Um, you know, these rules are about developing skills and, and becoming self-reliant. And, and, and that includes not taking shit from your brother or any other person. So, you know, I know empowerment is a bit of a buzzword these days, but I would characterize a lot of the rules in this book as empowering, right. you know, um, and I think some, what it's, I think, what sorry, it, I mean, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, you know, some of the skills, some of the stuff in there is going to sound old fashioned, you know, and, and because of that, just like on your blog, I think there are so many skills that are being lost that just so many skills just sound old fashioned. And so because of that, for the boys book, it was fine. Everything about old fashioned was good because it kind of played into the male like need to go back to those good old days or whatever. For a book for girls, it's different because old fashioned is tainted with this memory of an era of, of male privilege or when women had less opportunities, you know? And so it is tricky, um, you know, but that, that, that doesn't mean that these skills are necessarily invalid. You know, if I teach my daughter to cook a pie, I'm not telling her you know, you must cook pies, <laughs> you know, get in the kitchen um, and cook a pie. Yeah. I'm just giving her a skill, you know, and that gives her the choice to cook a pie or not to cook a pie. If I teach her to set a proper dinner table or hem a dress, I'm not saying that she has to play, you know, suburban hostess her whole life or even wear a dress. No more than if I'm, you know, if I teach my son to change a tire, I'm telling him he has to be a mechanic, you know, the skills give you choice and choice is power, you know? I mean, so I, I think the big takeaway is that I don't think that there are gender specific skills. 
Um, right. And, and, but even when you talk about gender differences, you know, because like you talk about, you know, the etiquette, right? Uh, you know, if, yeah. uh, if, you know, one of the advices, if a man offers you your, her, his seat, take it. And now some women would bristle at that. But I, I mean, they I think, will. I think what you're doing is, and I think we try to do this too, is like under, like, it's like appreciating differences between men and women um, and just having fun with it and like celebrating those differences and not seeing these sort of gestures as uh, acts of subjugation or submission or whatever, but just sort of like, hey, we're men and women, we're different. We got these sort Absolutely. of rituals to, to you know, talk about that and let's, let's celebrate yeah. that. And rituals is a good word and, you know, rituals and customs. And, you know, sometimes you can't look at rituals and customs so literally they become kind of symbolic gestures of what you just said, you know, recognizing our differences and celebrating those, you know, as far as the idea of like being a lady, you know, and, and, you know, it's a little like the idea of a gentleman. Um, these, these words are so saddled with baggage about chivalry and, and, you know, or as or for a lady, maybe like female submission and, but it's not, I mean, these it's, this is about being a kind, intelligent person, you know, and those, some may say antiquated gestures of a gentleman or a lady, um, you know, they can kind of represent whatever you want them to represent. If you're going into it as a cynic, they, they may represent a, a bad days or whatever, but it, you know, you can also look at it as this is a symbol or a custom of that represents my effort to be kind, generous, you know, well-mannered. Um, you know, it's, it, it, it's tricky. I'm kind of like, what I'm doing, I think with you is I'm like building up my argument for the inevitable right. onslaught. Right, it's going to happen. Hate, which I've already gotten, which is fine. I mean, it's great. It's, it, it gives me a chance to think about this stuff. Honestly, when I wrote the first book, I never even gave a thought to, you know, being very overtly inclusive to kind of non-binary sexualities and things. And at first I kind of felt myself backpedaling about worrying about, oh man, was I, you know, I, was I sounding too like heteronormative and all that stuff, but it was good. It got me thinking about, you know, well, wait a second, these skills work if my kid's gay or not, I don't care, you know? So these, this is a good conversation to have and I'm, I'm fine having it. You know? Wedding season is coming up. And if you are preparing for the big day. I know wedding planning can be really intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Indochino makes it easy to get a fully customizable suit right from your home. Don't just wear any suit on your big day. Wear a custom made-to-measure suit. Suits start at just $499, which is about the same price you'd pay for an off-the-rack suit at a department store. And they've also got custom made-to-measure shirts starting at just $89. So I've talked about my Indochino suit on the podcast before. They've been a longtime podcast sponsor. It's navy blue. The measuring process was super easy. They got these video guides you follow. You'll need another set of hands to help you out with that. But the really fun part is customizing it. Got to customize how I wanted the lapels on the jacket, the pockets, the lining. I went no pleats on the pants on this suit. A lot of fun. And then in a few weeks, you have a made-to-measure custom suit sent directly to your door. When planning your wedding, get a suit as unique as you with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code MANLINESS to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code MANLINESS. All right, so if you're like me, you've probably signed up for a whole bunch of stuff that has a recurring monthly fee. Subscriptions to newsletters, subscriptions to services that you use online, uh, could be a streaming service, something like that. You sign up for it and then you forget about it. And then every month you're getting charged and charged and charged and they just all add up and you have a hard time trying to figure out where did I sign up for this? I don't know where this is coming from. Let me tell you, there's an app that can help you with that. It's called Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all the app's features. I had a chance to use Rocket Money and it works. You connect your account to it and then it goes through your accounts and helps you find those recurring subscription fees that maybe you forgot about and then you can cancel them and save yourself a bit of money each month. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com manliness. That's rocketmoney.com slash manliness, rocketmoney.com slash manliness. All right, if you have a family, then you need to get term life insurance to protect them. 
It's one of the smartest financial decisions you can make, and the start of the new year is the perfect time to get it done so you can focus on whatever else the year has in store for you. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. There's no risk to apply. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee and you can cancel at any time. I remember when I was a new dad, I had a lot of thoughts going through my head. One of them was, how can I take care of my family when I'm gone if something happens to me? Well, it's one of the first things I did. I got term life insurance, one of the best decisions I made. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash manliness. That's meetfabric.com slash manliness. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash manliness. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Picture that thing you've always wanted to learn. All right, you got that in your head? Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors, and many of these instructors are former AOM podcast guests. You can learn negotiation from Chris Voss, leadership skills from Jocko Willink, how to master your habits with James Clear. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. So recently, I went through the Masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. A lot of useful information in there. Talked about the value of known in negotiation, how to use your body language and speech patterns to get your best out of a negotiation. Very well done. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM. Masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. Right, right. Um, so let's kind of get more some more of the, the rules. What I thought was interesting, there's a lot of relationship advice um, in there, and I thought that was great because I think like dads like need to talk to their daughters about relationships because like dads are men and their daughters yeah. will be <laughs> encountering men. Um, so I'm curious, like, how has you know being a man? color the dating advice or relationship advice that you've, you know, you've put in the book? <laughs> well, I mean, you have to, you have to fight your instinct to make every rule in the book, basically like, don't go out with him. Don't right. Go out exactly. With him. That, that's don't kind of the, the thing him. I was getting is like, is the vibe was like, <laughs> I think like Walker had his shotgun out cleaning it. Yeah. I mean, right? that's, it's, it's funny. It's like, you know, a dad giving relationship advice to his daughter, it has its challenges. I mean, you, your instinct is to go into protective mode. With all your kids, but with your daughter, I don't know. Maybe that's it's evolution or whatever. But you know, you want to just talk about you can't date that guy, and and they're all after one thing. Trust me, I've been there. I'm a teenager, you know. Um, but I, I do think it's important, and it was important for me to get past that. And 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 it took some help from some very smart female friends of mine um, to point out that it's time to get past that. It's not it's not really that charming anymore to play, you know, uh, overprotective pop, dad pop bear. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm all for protecting my kid's safety. I mean, that it's not an issue of that. It's, it's about, if parenting is about giving your kid the skills and tools to make their own smart decisions, then you kind of have to, you have to do it and then trust what you've taught them. And to, to be too protective is it's a little weird. It's a little like over sexualizing your own kid. And so you don't want to muck around too much in her love life, um, saying, Oh, I don't trust you, you know, and all that stuff. But um, you know, so you give them these tools, um, and you give them these rules, right? And uh and you you hope for the best. Right. Um yeah. that doesn't mean I might uh, you know, come to the door with a fierce look in my eye one day or if the kid doesn't come to the door and knock on the, the ring the doorbell or he honks his car, I can, you know, <laughs> hope that she makes the right choice. But, um, look, my, look, my daughter's going to be a kick-ass, like intelligent, fun, loving woman, confident, great taste. She's not going to need my help to like fend off the barbarians at the gate. You know, she's going to do it herself. Right. Right. That's the point. That's the point. So, I mean, like, I thought one of the pieces of relationship advice was, it was funny. It made me chuckle and actually kind of like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But like, it was a uh, beware of men who cry easily. 
<laughs> so why should your daughter watch out for men who cry? What is it about men who cry easily that your, your daughter should be like, oh, I don't know about that? Well, I should make, I should make this clear is that I'm a crier. I mean, I, I, I'm a crier. I'm the guy getting misty watching like Folgers commercials. And uh, so way more times than I want to admit, I have blubbered in front of my wife, in front of a bartender. I'm not proud. So right. this is, Well, Winston Churchill was a crier, so you're yeah. in good company. This is one of those rules where it's like, you know, you're hoping to correct past mistakes. Um, but look, there's nothing wrong with having a good cry. But what I, what I, I think what I mean by this rule is that, you know, be wary of people who are men in particular who may think that showing this type of outward emotion like volunteering it really easily is somehow a demonstration of depth or sensitivity or intelligence yeah and i think because i've been there again if i'm going to give this advice to my daughter you know in my experience it's a tactic as much as anything else and um not a very handsome one uh and and um also i will point out um, that this rule came from my wife. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah. So it shows you, uh, what she thinks about me, obviously, since I'm the crier, right. but, uh, don't, but don't I, sh- I showed it to her and she agreed wholeheartedly. So, uh, all right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I think like a lot of people who use, who cry all the time at a drop of the head, yeah, it is a tactic. More than it that. is, you know, or at least it's kind of like, I don't know, it just always it strikes me as a little, it, it can strike me as a little weird. It, it, you just have to be a little, a little wary. But also remember that so many of these rules are, are, can be a little tongue-in-cheek. You right, know, exactly. So. I think, yeah, like, like we learned with rules from my unborn son, uh, sometimes people take these things way too serious. Yeah, I mean, actually, I, I posted one the other day, and sometimes I really post things like they're quite literal. I'm not going to give you the example right now because it inflared like this huge conversation online, but sometimes I mean them quite literally. And then some people will read them like there's some proverb, you know, like, and which is really flattering. But I'm also like, no, I actually mean, you know, roll the dough really flat or whatever, <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't, don't squeeze out the juices on the burger. I'm just like, no, it's, that's very literal advice. You're like, you know, so. Yeah, no, I think that was like, uh, you know, Hemingway had a problem with that. Like people like read too much into the old man right. in the sea and he's like, no, it's just, uh, what was he hunting? No, like a shark or a fish? It was just a fish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just mean the bottle is green. I really right. just. I really green. do. So let, let's talk about some of the some of my favorite quips from the book. And yeah, you know. good. I love hearing about it because I, I, you know, it's it's hard to pick your own favorites. Right. So like one I liked, I said earlier, like if if you make it a habit for apologizing for other people, it will always it, it it's you who will always be sorry. Yes. I, I mean, it, it's going to drive you crazy your whole life too, right? We have, you know, we, I don't know if it's just like, you know, I can only speak for the people alive today, right? I don't know what it was like 100 years ago, but it does seem like we enable so many people's bad behavior because we're just afraid of confrontation where we don't think it's our place to like, you know, change another person, especially people that are close to us to tell them that they're wrong or tell them that they're acting poorly. Um, you know, you're acting boorishly or whatever. Um you know, so we end up God, are we apologizing for our friends or our, our spouses. But we all have our own problems and struggles. You don't want to carry the burden of someone else's too. You know, right. you gotta you gotta let and and obviously this is kind of like a universal advice. But you know, it can be a very specific advice for a woman too in a relationship because it, we know that a very common problem is, uh, you know, uh, women that that have to tolerate less than savory characters in their life and you know they're working hard to keep a relationship together and end up apologizing for someone when really you might just need to pick up and haul ass right exactly yeah, another one in there beware the ladies who lunch <laughs> um that is a hat tip to one of my favorite women in the world elaine stretch a great Broadway and and film actress who you may know you probably recognize her because she did some cameos on 40 rock late in her life. Um, but she, this was her signature song. It comes from, uh, Stephen Sondheim's play company. Um, and she's really one of my idols. I had, I, back when I was living in New York, I had the chance to work with her cause I was working on a documentary with about her with DA Pennybaker. And so I got to meet her and she's this tough old bird and she's hysterical and ruthless, but she's also really sensitive and she's so talented. And, um, 
Anyway, she, this was her signature song, and it's so scathing. And it's all about women who make this big fuss about their lives with like the charity events and the lunches and the brunches and the martini tennis lessons. And, uh, you know, and there's, and they're, they're always busy and, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. There's nothing wrong with these women, but you know, it's about for this song, it's about women who fill their lives to make up for some kind of deeper emptiness. You know, you can, you can be busy and still bored and boring Right. And uh, and uh, it's it's very tricky to avoid that uh, that group. But again, a bit tongue in cheek. But uh, one of my favorite songs, by the way. Uh, if any of you gentlemen out there close to Spotify and want to download some Broadway show tunes, which I know you're all <laughs> like eager to do. Oh yeah, uh, the ladies who lunch from Company is a great one. It's right. so funny. I'll check that out. All right. Um, you got another one here. Uh, if you choose not to own a TV, keep it to yourself. God, don't you just hate it when people say that? That's oh, I don't even. Thing. I don't even own a TV. Yeah, I know. So, it's. Uh, they talk about. Oh, I got. I've gotten so. I get so much more done. Blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah, I mean, just like, it's a humble brag, right? It's. It's. It's so much more charming and interesting to embrace your guilty pleasures. You know, be self-deprecating. Like in that situation, I'd be like, "Oh, I have a TV, and I'm obsessed with it, and I'm not ashamed to admit that I stay up till four in the morning to binge watch this particular show or whatever." You know, I mean, it, this this is one of those rules where, like, yes, it's about TV, but it is about something a little bigger. I mean, we need to remember that you know, cocktail parties are not job interviews. You know, a conversation with someone is not just you nodding your head and waiting for your turn to talk about yourself. Or your story, um, you know. It, it your job is not to constantly pitch yourself, um, and and I think it's a habit that's really common these days. And I don't know if it's because, you know, more people are out there self-employed or trying to be an entrepreneur, or but there's this, you know, we've really kind of glorified the pitch, you know, whether it's Silicon Valley or Hollywood. It's like everyone's pitching something or themselves, and. Uh, it makes for like the most boring cocktail conversation in the world when everyone is just talking about themselves, you know, this is how great I am. Right. And they might couch it by saying like, oh, I'm so tired and busy. Yeah, because, you know, I'm finishing this article from the New Yorker or, you know, it's like these humble brags. And, <laughs> and I think not only TV is one of them. Right. You know, it's like, I'm sorry, I don't know what's going on in Breaking Bad. I only read the New York Times article. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, good for you. Good. I'm going to go talk to someone who watched The Last Kardashian because then we can have a laugh. Right, right. And it's the same thing with like, not like, it's not only that, like if you're into paleo, if you do CrossFit or you do yoga. Yeah, I'm sure there's a million examples. A million yeah. examples. Just like keep it to yourself. Uh, yeah. Unless like, it comes oh, up. Is that a GMO chicken nugget? Right. Whatever. Um, so this is the one I thought was like, you don't drink wine at the ballpark. First, is this a thing? Do people drink wine at the ballpark? Have you been to one of the new fancy parks like Nationals Park or, no. you know, they've, they've been I, redoing I, a lot of parks. I mean, look, I, some people might think it's great. I can get a crab cake sandwich at Nationals Park and a, and a white wine. And, you know, you can probably ask them to roll a lazy boy in there too for you and maybe even put a TV in your pocket. You know, most people are watching the game on their iPhones anyway. Um, you know, I don't really care what you drink or if you drink, but there's something about working. I, I just think there's something about working within the confines of your environment, right? Not always changing the environment to suit you. I mean, I've gone camping. We were talking about Boy Scouts earlier. I've gone camping with Boy Scouts and some of these dads, every year they're bringing out like these bigger and bigger grills, you know, and to the camp out. And I'm like, all right, that's, that's cool. But I also like, I like enjoying the simplicity and, and the restrictions of like a hot dog and a hobo pack over an open fire. You know, I mean, yeah, you can have an awesome, um, you know, tailgate set up and eat ribeyes. That's cool. But you know, you know, you can also have a lazy boy and buffalo wings at the movie theater now and all this stuff. But like, you know, I don't need wine at the ballpark. I don't need to bring my home to wherever I am. Right. You know, sometimes it's good to restrict yourself to what's available. You know, just, just, but ballparks should serve Cracker Jacks and hot dogs. That's it. Right. You know, 
You want a crab cake sandwich? Go to the restaurant across the street. Right, right, right. No, that's that's. I didn't know that was a thing. Um, that's interesting. So the other one I liked is it's your welcome, not no problem. I love that because my father in law, like that's his. He hates that. Like he hates when people oh, tell him no problem when they do something. It use drives me crazy. It drives my wife crazy. It's one of my peccadillos. You know, when you say no problem, it kind of assumes that maybe it could have been a problem. You know, but I'm letting you off the hook. I mean, it's supposed to sound, I think people who say it's supposed to sound gracious, but instead it just makes the, the thanker sound like they've been an inconvenience, you know? And that is totally antithetical to what courtesy is all about. Courtesy is about making the other person feel more comfortable, always, you know? So, you know, someone says, oh, thank you. You don't say no problem, meaning no problem to me. This could have been a problem, but I'm allowing it not to be a problem. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's the wrong approach, you know? Yeah. So yes, one of my peccadillos. We're going right. to solve that one. Solve it. We're going to get, we're going to get rid of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of those is there's no such thing as a girl's skateboard. I mean, my daughter taught me that one. The first day she saw my son's skateboard and hopped on it was like, crushed him around the park. And I was like, what? Yeah. I don't, I don't need my Nerf gun or my Lego set or my skateboard to be painted pink and called a skateboard. Like that's insulting. That's insulting to me. That's insulting to my daughter. I mean, (laughs) not to, I mean, look, I I try to be pretty easygoing about all these like gender issues and stuff. Um, which given what I'm about to put out into the world, I'm probably going to have to be, but you know, some of these gender barriers, we are creating them now. Like they did, yeah, you know? they didn't exist like 30, yeah. 40 years ago. Like there yeah. weren't like girl Legos. Ago, there was one skateboard, you know, right. there was Legos. This stuff is new. This is marketing. You know, we've created more gender barriers now than there need right. to be. I There's, mean, literally, I would not be surprised if there's like a woman's car. You know, or here, check out this female TV. What, what does that even mean? That is insulting to me. So, yeah, you know, yeah. specifically, there are no girls skateboards. Universally, like, like she can do anything my son can do. There's just not a boy, girl, this, that, and the other, you know? Right. No, yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the whole thing has gotten kind of ridiculous, you know, with the men's body wash Right. It's like, yeah. it's the same thing. Yeah. It's just, it's like, it's green and comes in like a, a black bottle. It's like, it's, yeah, it's man. But it, it even is more ridiculous. Like, uh, you know, in the firearms world, uh, like there's like pink guns, pink like, guns. Yeah. It's a pink gun. Like, wait, 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 it's, it's just, it's a, it's a weapon. Like it's a fire. It doesn't have to be a pink, you know, it doesn't have to be Dude, cute. It's a, you know. and me, we, we, we bear the responsibility for some of this. I tell, I'm telling you 10 years ago when we both had this idea of like, hey, let's kind of like talk about, you know, manliness and masculinity and old fashioned stuff. It wasn't a six months later that I was actually getting those calls from Dove saying, hey, do you want to blog about men's products? And we created this market niche. I'm not saying you and I created this, but we're part of it. We're part of this thing. And, you know, we identified a market, you know, and yeah. So, but, but uh, it's ironic. It is. It is. It is funny. Uh, there's one I liked because the reason I like is my wife actually does this rule. It's uh, visit a friend in the hospital, bring bad magazines. Yes, I always do. My wife always does. I mean, look, we all have our guilty pleasures, right? Our creature comforts, you know? And I think a real friend knows when to let you indulge in those. That's, that's the reality. That's the reality, yeah. Um, now, as I've stated probably like a hundred times I would never, of course, dare to presume that there are any universal truths about the female gender. But, but they do love bad magazines. They love trashy magazines, yeah. They love bad magazines. And so do I. And so do I. But I'm telling you, (laughs) this is like my women be shopping moment. This is like, but they love bad magazines. Right. Us Weekly, okay. Like, yeah. I've learned that too. Like when my wife was in the hospital, we had to take her to the hospital uh, when, during her last pregnancy. She had to be there for a few days. And I was like, okay, I, I, I know she likes to get read bad magazines while she's in the hospital. So I went yeah. out and got her some Gatorade and Us Weekly. 
and all six magazines will have the same 35 long lens paparazzi right. shots, but they all have just different captions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny. Um, so here's the thing, uh, as a dad, um, who I run a site where I highlight great men from history and I've got plenty of male role models that I can direct my son towards, right? Like yeah. Theodore Roosevelt, Winston Churchill, blah, 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 blah. But I find myself sometimes coming short on women from history, you know, yeah, for obvious reasons that could serve as female role models. Um, so I can name a few, but I'm curious, are there women from history that you have in mind in particular for your daughter? They could be from politics. They could be actresses. Yeah. It could be business women. Like who, who are some role models that you have in mind for your daughter? I do. And you know, that's, that's, you know, and I, and I include them in the book. I think it's kind of fun to have these pictures of, of women that I either consider role models, potential role models for my daughter or who have been role models to me, you know, honestly. Um, uh, and, and whether that's because they have a particular skill set, whether they are particularly brave, or maybe they're just, you know. So, but the reality is, you're right. You know, there are not as many famous women in general, and there's a reason for that, and that's because you know, basically, women have been left out of the history books, and they've been left out of the newspapers. Um, you know, a lot of our role models, male role models, are uh, you know heroes that have achieved these like you know, adventures or amazing feats of strength and bravery. Um, and they got put in the newspaper. That's how they became role models and heroes. They were put in the newspaper. I mean, if you think about it, history really is kind of the story of publicity, you know? Um, and women were just not in the spotlight. They weren't allowed to be. Um, so they mm-hmm. weren't going to land on the front page. So yeah, we don't have a lot of female role models through history. It's really hard to find them unless you like really like are scholarly and go back and all this stuff. Um, and until you get to kind of this post-suffragette era, you know, in, in modern media, and then they start to pop up. But there are tons, you know, and it's been fun looking through, not just kind of like contemplating it and trying to pick a few that I think are cool, but also realizing like, oh, these are people that, that have been role models in my life that I maybe didn't even like kind of recognize, um, you know. So, I mean, I'll give you a great example, like Sally Rod, the astronaut, right? So my wife's hero, my wife's an aerospace engineer, wanted to be an astronaut her whole life. Um, she turned me on to who Sally Ride was. And I mean, this is a woman who succeeded in a field of science and engineering that even today is totally male dominated. Um, and then you add like space exploration to it, you know, the right stuff. It's total men's club. Um, and, you know, and she became the first astronaut, first female astronaut. And, you know, that, that's awesome. I, I, she's the kind of role model I want for my daughter. Um, they're, they're athletes like Mia Hamm, who I think is awesome. Um, the, old, uh, pr- the old first professional baseball league um, for women, Annabelle Lefty Lee. I mean, here are people that are, you know, I think they're role models not because they could just play sport, because they could play baseball, but because they did something that people told them that they couldn't do. That's cool. That's punk. You know, that's rock and roll. I think, you know, I, I don't doubt that a woman can pick up a, a baseball or a sledgehammer or a discus or a race car or whatever and do anything we can do. But I like the people that pick the stuff that someone says they can't, you know, um, Another great role model is Margaret Thatcher. You know, forget her politics. I don't care what about her politics. I'm talking about someone who was able to succeed in a male-dominated profession at such a high profile. And, you know, she did this 40 years. 40 years ago, we still haven't had a female head of state, you know, and she's doing it in England. That's, that's impressive. Um, those are a few. But, you know, I have others that are not just like – it's not always about breaking down gender barriers. You know, there's a lot of women that I really admire purely because of their talents. You know, they're not doing it just like breaking, you know, some barrier that, but, you know, maybe they're just really witty or really funny. Like, like, uh, Nora Ephron, you know, great writer, uh, Carol Burnett, Elaine Stritch, talked about her, Tina Fey, or musicians like Big Mama Thornton, you know, she wrote Hound Dog, man. Have you ever heard Big Mama Thornton records? I mean, they're, they're as good as anything you'll ever hear. Blow, Elvis and Buddy Holly away, you know, Joni Mitchell. Um, these are women that they're not, they're not just women that take on male characteristics, you know, like 
and doing something that only men used to do, but they're just demonstrating a talent, a passion, commitment, um, or they just, you know, maybe they just have really good taste. And I like people with good taste. You know, so you like I've tried it. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's great. No, I love this. All right. So uh, like you did in the rules for my unborn son, at the end of the book, you give a list of recommended reading and music suggestions for your daughter. So can you just fair share a few yes. of those and explain why you, you picked them? Yeah. I mean, this is really just my effort to control the stereo in the car for the next right, like, right. Eight, and again, like let, let, years. Let's, let's remind people, this is like personal taste. Like, sometimes people yeah. read this thing and they just like get infuriated because they think like yeah, you're like because, yeah they, they, they think that this is supposed to be some kind of like academic survey of the right. most important music of Just the last like, century or like this is the most important feminist rock of the last 50 years that is not it at all this is like so my kids like the music that i like so we can go on road trips and i don't go crazy this is about totally trying to strong arm my taste under theirs and it's my own little personal way to do it um but you know I did get a chance to pick a bunch of music that I thought my, not just what my daughter would like, but that were like by women, um, women that I love, music that I love, you know, cause it is cool to see, we, we have this luxury as, as men. We, if you ask a man, make your list of 50 great songs, you don't think about if it's a man or a woman, you know, because men are so used to like kind of being the default gender, if you will, which is so ridiculous, but just because of that traditional power structure, you know, I think it's good for a girl to be reminded of like, you can do this, you know, don't let Rolling Stone top 50 and you see all these men guitarists up there, like make you think you can't do this. So like, yeah, it was a chance to make a cool list of, of female artists. Um, you know, I mean, I, it, some of it's the stuff that I listened to as a kid. I mean, my mom playing Bobby Gentry for me or Dolly Parton. Um, like I said, Joni Mitchell earlier, but also like there's so many great artists from the seventies. Like I grew up listening to Blondie, Chrissy Hine from the pretenders, um, you know, Joan Jett, that, that was like the soundtrack to my whole youth, you know? And it wasn't until now when I was putting this list together, I was like, as a kid, I didn't even think about the fact that these were women, but God, that's awesome. There are awesome women in rock. Um, and even in hip hop and, and R&B, which is, you know, I, I probably don't listen to that as much, but I did try to put some cool stuff in there, um, soul and stuff. So it's an awesome mix. You can play it at your uh, next all women party, or you can just play it at your next party because it's party, all yeah. good stuff. Do you have a Spotify uh, list? No, but I should make one. I'll make one you tomorrow. Should make one. That'd be cool. We can share it. Well, hey, Walker, this has been a great conversation. We got we got pretty heady in this one for a book that's sort of you know was kind of fun, but it, we got some some heady topics which I liked. Um, I know. Well, I've you know I read I read what you write all the time, and I know that you know it's hard to be the torchbearer for this you know this kind of movement, if you will. That that. Uh, too many people might be too quick to judge as being exclusive. But in fact, it is quite the opposite. And I really appreciate some of the times that I've seen you write into to your blog post about, you know, this is not about reinvigorating some antiquated, you know, power structure, you know. And, uh, and I think it's good for you and me to, to kind of be the ones to stand up and, and make some of these points. I mean, like I said at the beginning – the best way to make a man into a feminist is to give him a daughter. You know, I, I want, I want to, I want the best for her and I, and I don't want her to disadvantage. And, uh, and that's a lot of what this writing this book was about. Awesome. Well, Walker, where can uh, people learn more about your book? Uh, I mean, the best way is to just pop it into Google rules for my newborn daughter, newborn daughter, All right. because I wrote it after she was born. Okay. So I had, I had to be fair. Um, and uh, I would go right to Google, which is going to take you to either my website, which is great. You can read some nice blurbs about me and all that kind of stuff. But probably best to just go right to the source and type it into Amazon. Um, book's going to be available next week. You can pre-order it now. If you pre-order it now, it hits my first week sales, which is awesome. If you ever, anybody out there is a self-publisher or wants to know how you uh, jump up on those lists, uh, Jack the pre-orders up. That's that's what I've learned. Um, awesome. Yeah, but that's that's the best way. Cool, Walker Lamont. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Brett, I always love talking to you. Um, keep going with what you're doing. I'm really uh, I'm really loving the the site. It's uh, it's great. And thanks for having me.
Appreciate it. All right. Talk to you later. My guest today was Walker Lamont. His latest book is Rules for My Newborn Daughter. You can find it on Amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. You can find out more information about Walker's work at walkerlamond.com. Also, make sure to check out the show notes for the show at aom.is slash Lamond. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. And if you enjoy this show and have got something out of it, please give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. I'd really appreciate it. As always, thank you for your continued support. And until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn that thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton, for the stay. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.